Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Baudouet. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. I'll pass the mic off to Peter now for his conversation with Jamie Wood. Take it away, Peter. Thanks, Al. As mentioned, my name's Peter Bodway, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Jamie Wood, co-founder of Fanorama's Social Media Corps. So I saw Jamie present at the Junction Pitch event in May, and it was it was really a great event. And I really thought the technology was really interesting. It was quite intriguing because specifically how you're addressing sort of a global opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to, to today's talk. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. So let's kick off with, well, tell me a little bit about Fanoramas. What do you do? Uh, okay. Fanoramas, we are a company that helps fans create memories. So we're really a fan experience company. And what we do is take photos of fans at big events. So we take pictures of every fan simultaneously. And it's really meant to capture those authentic moments. So it's during the moments that you can't capture yourself because presumably you're standing and cheering and having a great time yeah. sharing your passion we're taking the photos for you. And then we send that content back to you in the form of image galleries so that you can curate and download and share your photos. Great. Okay. So I do want to talk a little bit about your entrepreneur journey, but we'll start with sort of your personal journey. And I noticed that you have a strong corporate background and uh, you'd even worked in Switzerland with Rolex, which was interesting. So I'm curious, how did you go from that Back to Canada. What, what was the decision? Because it seemed that you were on a trajectory and it changed. So why why why'd you come back? Uh, so great question. Uh, I think I'll say with confidence now that Calgary is really home. Mm-hmm. But when uh, when I first left the city, really I was on to you know moving out of Calgary and and really getting getting out of here. Yeah. And uh, I had the opportunity with Critical Mass, which is really where I started my career and cut my teeth as a as a digital native professional. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had sent me over to Switzerland to serve key account Rolex. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were working all the time and working in multiple time zones, running the global team. And eventually, um, I was pregnant with my first child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rolex is a luxury company. They looked at me and went, oh, honey, you know, you can't work like this at yeah. an agency. You should really come over here. Oh, and so, yeah. Yeah. so they invited me over. And so yeah. when Rolex invites you to come and work for them, you say yes. Yeah. So I said yes. And uh, started working for them, running their global digital team, uh, which was an amazing experience. And was a few years in and then uh, had my second child. And it was really at that time that um, my husband and I, who's also my, my partner, um, kind of looked at where we were at and 
had to a decision to make in terms of where we wanted to be. Did we want our children to grow up as Swiss, mm -hmm. even though they would always remain Canadian, yeah. uh, passport wise? Mm -hmm. um, we had a cultural decision to make about how we were going to raise our family. Uh, and then at the same time, we had ailing parents back, back home in Canada. So, you know, it was after that second mat leave that we decided to pack it in and just move back. Great. So it was really family that brought us home. Mm -hmm. And it, it took a little bit of time to readjust a couple of years, I think, before I felt like I was actually home again. Mm -hmm. But now I find it very hard to leave. Great. Mm -hmm. So you've been to home, home how many years now? Uh, it's been, uh, I think, almost seven years so, okay. now. So you're yeah. all, yeah. all yeah. So totally re-acclimatized. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you come back to Canada. Now you had a corporate job again. You were back, you know, you landed back in, in corporate Calgary. You're working. So it seems like a big decision now to commit to Fanoramas. So can you tell me a little bit about that journey? How did, you know, that decision to start Fanoramas occur? So the decision to start Fanoramas happened in 2012 and uh, maybe even as early as 2011 is when the idea was, was born. Um, and it was really, uh, kind of this, you know, on the personal side, Al and I always bantering back and forth about, wouldn't it be great if, um, you know, we had more time or if we, you know, if there was a way we could have more fun and more time. And frankly, uh, I'm going to say this. Al doesn't make a great employee. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, I, as long as I have autonomy, I can pretty much work anywhere. Um, but for Al, he really needs to be in charge of his own, uh, his own future. And so we always knew we would start a company. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, at a very awkward moment, uh, in, you know, the market crashed in 2008. Yeah. Uh, and that I think probably got our minds going and that, you know, what are we going to do? How are, how are things going to change for us? And, um, eventually we just said, you know what, let's, let's put three things together that we really love that we know we'll get out of bed for in the morning. Yeah. Uh, because you have to get up every yeah. day and dedicate yourself to a startup. And we had no idea, <laughs> some yeah, idea at the time. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we said, let's take three things we love, put them together. And if it's a good idea, we'll do it. Yeah. And so um, it was digital marketing, mm -hmm. photography, and sports. And okay. uh, so those were sort of the, the three things percolating in the background. And then one night, uh, Al came home from an Irish pub in Geneva, and he's like, I think I've got it. Yeah, yeah. And that was, the idea was there born. It was born, okay. It was born, yeah. That's great. Okay. So I guess is... It is a unique product, right? Because it is something, it's global, it's it's addressing fan bases, et cetera. So how did you go about finding product market fit? I mean, you know, because like you say, it was born in a pub as an idea. <laughs> how did you go to that to yeah. a product? Uh, yeah, like a lot of things are born in a pub. Um, a lot of great ideas. So getting to product market fit, I think, you know, it's complete and utter naivety. Uh, you, we just believed so much in the product itself mm -hmm. that we went ahead and built it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's probably not the recommended path, mm -hmm. but it's the path we took. Yeah. And so we bootstrapped the, the build of the technology mm -hmm. and took it to a point where we could, um, actually get it into market. And we didn't really achieve market fit. I would say probably even until today. Yeah. Um, but it, we were able to get sufficient market trials. So we've, you know, tested with over 800 users in part of our market trials. And, you know, it's almost like when you've built a product and you have something that exists and you need to find the market for it, you kind of have to force your way in. Yeah. And so I, 
I just got creative. Yeah. And as you do, and you just start calling people, you don't, you know, you know, you start from zero and you just create a network, you create a market and you drive those opportunities forward as fast and as hard as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I guess I, I'm just looking at now that you've sort of talked a little bit about your, your entrepreneur journey, because now you've got the concept you're doing. I know that all of a sudden you're a graduate of the, uh, the Junction Accelerator Program, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, which is managed by platform. So what were you looking for? What were you looking to gain by joining that? Because you had done a couple of years of developing your, your concept, your business. Why the Accelerator? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had done a couple of years of developing the business off the side of our desks. Okay. And so that's, you can't operate a startup and be successful off the side of your desk, like anything. Yeah. Um, and so it was around, um, you know, once the product was actually built, uh, is sort of when I became a little bit more engaged. Al was sort of managing that piece of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay, well, when it's ready, then I'll jump in and see where, you know, what yeah. we need to do. And um, it was at that moment where I actually realized that startup accelerators were a thing. Okay. I had no yep. idea. And so um, that took us all the way to Qatar, mm -hmm. uh, where we pitched to be part of that. Because the accelerator in Qatar was uh, sports tech specific. And that was the first one I had found. Okay. There's since been a ton that have popped up uh, in around sports tech specifically. Um, and so I, it started to open my eyes mm -hmm. to accelerators, how they work and the importance of actually giving uh, that level of support to founders. Mm -hmm. And um, as I was on the plane back from Qatar, I had, you know, meanwhile had done some research around uh, what was happening locally, mm -hmm. because if we can have a local accelerator or s some support locally, that would, Absolutely, that would yeah. be amazing. And so I had applied for platform cohort two and on, we landed back from Doha and I, I had the acceptance in my inbox. And really the reason that we, um, decided to do that was it was for first time founders mm -hmm. and sure I've had a corporate career, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be a good founder. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean I know anything actually. Yeah. In it's fact, a different skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you have to approach it like, you know, nothing yeah. because you, you actually, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so different from your nine to five corporate job and running teams. It, it's a completely different approach. So, um, what we were really looking to get out of it was, you know, open our eyes to what's in front of us, what lies ahead, because it's, it's a big, as a startup, your future is a big black box and you, you lift the lid and you start pulling things out one yeah, at yeah. a time, but you actually don't know what's in that box mm -hmm. until you arrive. Yeah. And so we wanted some visibility and just an understanding of the trajectory that we could be potentially on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really what platform did for us. Um, it, the founders, but, and foundations program really, showed us what to expect, uh, told us the things that we didn't know we needed to okay. know, yep. uh, things like having a data room. I didn't even know those two words so uh, or what they meant, yeah. right? So it really helped us kind of get established as a, as a proper company, not just a couple people working off the sides of their desk and crossing their fingers. Yeah, yeah. So I want to explore that because you said a data room. So explain what what's the what is a data room and what's the value? Well, yeah. apparently it's something you need if you want to get any kind of investment and show okay. that you're actually a real company. So your 
data room is going to have everything uh, from your investor relations material, all of your um, corporate financial materials, uh, any of your customer data and your research. Uh, so you've got kind of like nine key folders that uh, make up your data room. And then, of course, you can add others. But really, you when an investor looks at a company, they want to make sure that your cap tables are in there, that your financial forecasts are in there, and that your historical financials are all all up yeah. to date, as well as any um, kind of future projections and uh, your market strategy and your business plan. All of that needs to be housed and organized in a, yeah. in a pr- contained way. And we had all of that material. Mm-hmm. It was just everywhere. Mm-hmm. So this forced us to organize properly as a company and also start to fill in some of those gaps that, that we hadn't quite accomplished yet. Okay. That's yeah. great. So, I mean, after the program, I mean, it was what, nine, nine, nine weeks? Yeah, I think it was like Eight or nine weeks. Yeah. So I guess once you come out of that, how are you a different entrepreneur? What's changed? Uh, I don't think it changes you. It doesn't make you a different on- entrepreneur. Okay. I think you you just you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. Okay. And that's just code for crazy. Okay. So, um, uh, but what you do have is a, is an essential toolkit mm-hmm. to to help you move forward, and probably more importantly, you have access to. Uh, a network and a group of people who are here to support you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I can, today I can send out an SOS on a question mm-hmm. and I did this. This is a true example. Yeah. I had, uh, someone very interested in joining our company. I was trying to figure out a compensation model mm-hmm. and I had no idea what I needed to give up because I don't have any cash mm-hmm. to pay this guy. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to, you know, how, What's the model? Yeah, what's the compensation what's model? What's the comp plan? Yeah, so yeah. I SOS, you know, three or four of the entrepreneurs in residence. I SOS my advisor, some of the other um, members of the cohort, uh, and and a couple of others. And do you know what happened? Everyone responded within an hour. There you go. The so, power of the network, the right? The power yeah. of the network. Yeah. So you don't, you just don't have that level of support. Even in corporate Calgary, you don't have that level of support. But people are eager and they want to see you succeed and they want you to get the answers you need. Yeah. And everyone knows you're operating in real time. And that is the, that is the level of support that is, that exists in the city. And I had no idea that was available to me when we started. I had no idea. That's great. That's yeah. great. So, uh, you know, you've come out now of the, you graduated from the Junction program, which was, I guess, in the spring. So yeah, that was in May. now you're, you're beginning the, the, the fundraising journey. I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you said that was a great part of the Junction program is you got all your dot, you got the, the sort of the, the documents aligned, et cetera. So can you tell us a bit about how, what, how's the fundraising journey or what does that look like for Fanoramas? I think the fundraising journey, it's, it's difficult for, uh, for a lot of firms. And, um, you know, we sort of break the model a little bit. Uh, we've hacked the system because we bootstrapped from the beginning. And I think a lot of investors like to see a really nice series of milestones where you have, uh, you know, got some grant money, then raised a little bit of family and friends money, and then you go for an angel or a micro angel round, and then you continue on and you follow that. that They've got a path that, that they standard want to see. Path. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, we hacked the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. And, um, where it became a bit tricky for us is people, people don't know what to do with us because we were, you know, we're pre customer, mm-hmm. but hopefully by the end of this week, I'm not. Yeah. Um, uh, 
so we're pre-customer pre-revenue, but we have some really good traction and some, and a, and a massive pipeline. Um, and so we're looking for an investor, a micro angel who's willing to come in and, and take that chance. But typically that micro angel or investor would be coming in earlier before you, or probably while you're building a technology, um, where there's a moment to iterate and refine, but we've already built the product. And so there's less control from, uh, you know, from an investor point of view as to what the final output is. Um, and I think that might be where, you know, We've hacked the system in, ter in terms of financing it ourselves to this point, but I don't know if, if we've done ourselves a disservice as a result. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's in some ways it's de-risked yeah. as well. It's, there's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's both, yeah. it's, it's, there's a benefit yeah. and a downfall potentially. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know, our we're just getting started on our fundraising yeah. journey. Mm -hmm. uh, we've managed to sucker in some friends and family yeah. uh, who believe in us and who want to see us succeed, uh, which is fantastic. And now we're looking for someone to lead our our. I'll call it pre-seed round for, sure. you know, semantics yeah. aside, but uh, our first investor round, legitimate investor round. Great. So, so does the accelerator play a role in that or what do, role do they play in helping you in the fundraising journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, so for platform itself, this program is, they're in a tricky position, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a government program, yep. currently government sponsored. So they can't put you forward to the investor community uh, overtly. So what they can do is say, um, you know, I think you should ask advice from these people. These people can help you, uh, with this particular part of your strategy, for example. So really they, they help you build your network into the community. Then it's really up to you. It's on, on the company sure. to start doing the pitches. Mm -hmm. So one way that I've used, um, platform, for example, is to use their space to run, uh, investment pitches. So I did an investment night there. Uh, so we were able to use the space. But they're not involved, right? Okay. So they're just enabling they're me. You. Yeah, and yeah. that's all the whole concept yeah. of platform. They yeah. create a platform yeah. for you to go out and do yeah. it. But that's great. Yeah, okay, exactly. so they at least they give yeah. you some runway initially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's exactly. good. That's yeah. good. So I did want to again explore different things that you've done because I recognize you know you, the support of the the the, uh, the accelerator is one thing, but there was also the trade accelerator. So I understand that mm -hmm. you know before you went to Europe, you there was some support from the trade accelerator. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So the trade accelerator program. Correct, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, we call it TAP, T-A-P okay. here. Um, yeah. So the trade accelerator program, this is one of the very first programs that I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you just have to be a bit cheeky mm -hmm. and get yourself into things yeah. and uh, for better or worse. And so I s somehow saw the trade accelerator. Uh, I saw some media around mm -hmm. this program. Mm -hmm. And when I read it, it was, you know, for companies who have, I think, a minimum $100,000 in revenue and are looking to expand internationally. Yeah. So, okay, well, I meet one of those two criteria or whatever it was. There was a, yeah. a long list. And so I just phoned them up and I said, you know what? I just read an article that says, um, you know, women do not apply to things that when they don't meet hundred percent of the requirements. Mm -hmm. I said, but that's not going to be me today. Mm -hmm. I meet about 50% of the, the requirements you've listed here, but I really want in your program. And yeah. I think it would really benefit us because we're a startup, but we intend to start globally out of the gate, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, that's the strategy. So, so they said, okay, let, you know, let me talk to my boss. Yeah. We'll get back to you. So they did, uh, they did at the end, let us in. Uh, and it was a fantastic experience because what we were able to do in that uh, program 
And it's an, a really amazing format too for executives because you, you start the program. I think it's a series of, uh, full day or half day commitments, like four or five of half day commitments. And then they give you time to actually work on your deliverables. And the deliverables that you work on. So you have a, a series of really interesting presenters, uh, and they open your eyes to what's available from a government support perspective for international trade. Uh, get, they get you introduced to your trade commissioners and who, who's who and how does the trade commission work. So that's an amazing, amazing resource yeah. for any entrepreneur. You need to know who your trade commissioners are for any market and go talk to them. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, it also, uh, got us connected to uh, some banking advisors at a more strategic level, uh, introduced us to bank debt rather than, uh, you know, having to consider uh, equity financing okay. out of the gate. They, you know, they, they put, they gave us some, some additional information. So you go through this workshop, you have all of these presentations, and then at the end, the final deliverable is your export, uh, your international export development plan. Okay. And that's like a, you know, 12 to 16 page document that outlines which markets you're going to enter, how you're going to enter them, the capital required to enter them, how you're going to roll out the partnerships required, the supply chain required, et cetera. Yeah. So at the time, uh, I built that plan around uh, the UK and France. Mm -hmm. And right at the moment that I graduated from TAP or TAP, I had applied to uh, Le Tremplin, which is a sports tech accelerator in France, uh, which is part of Paris & Co. And I was able to directly use the deliverable I had just produced oh, with, with TAP to, okay. as the input um, for that for application. For that. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So they're an accelerator, a, a sports tech accelerator. Yeah, said. yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so the trade accelerator program really, uh, again, more eye-opening going on. Yeah. So just under, helped us understand what we were getting into, uh, the kinds of things we need to consider, um, and also assess, like do a market risk assessment for where we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So that was hugely beneficial, probably a little bit early, uh, admittedly, but because I had sort of well, asked you, to be. Yeah, you asked to go in. Yeah, <laughs> but now, you know, yeah. now I know we were early, but I, I still have that plan and I, yeah. I, it's still going to be extremely valuable yeah. to me. So, uh, that, that plan ha doesn't really change. So can I just ask like a, yeah. a tech or a question on that? Because is that, so that's run by the feds, right? The federal Correct. government. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just, I mean, I, I have some experience in this and it's interesting because we had even gone to Boston looking for potential partners. And again, phone the embassy there, the trade commission office or down at the, uh, at the consulate. Extremely helpful. You need five meetings. Who do you want to meet? And here you go. Yeah. So they're very, very helpful. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that guidance of if you're going anywhere, especially on business, if you're not taking advantage of that, it's, it's a great, it's a great resource, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, mm -hmm. I think underutilized to some oh, extent. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess is, you know, I mean, you've been at, Fanoramas for a while. So what keeps you up at night? What's the, oh, gosh. <laughs> besides the jet lag, we'll say. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, what keeps me up at night? Um, you know what? I, uh, I think that I'm one entrepreneur who can sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I do wake up <laughs> really early sometimes, yeah. I think the biggest thing that keeps me up is how we're going to deliver. Mm -hmm. So, Right now, we're planting a lot of seeds. We're planting seeds locally and globally to start something. And as I said, we, our strategy is we want to be global out of the gate, which means we need strategic collaborative partnerships with really big organizations. Yeah. 
But when you're working with really big organizations, you also need to be ready to go when they say go. And so that's what keeps me up is, you know, what is, if you have to unpack the words ready to go, there's a lot in there. Uh, And so just building out those pieces of the puzzle and making sure we're ready uh, is definitely, it it keeps both of us up at night for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit, just talk about sort of the ecosystem here in Calgary. And you said, you know, it was great support. So, because when I look at the startup ecosystem, it's great. There's a lot of support. You have incubators, accelerators, training programs, even export development programs. I guess to you, I mean, what what was the most helpful on that journey? That's a great question. You know, I think it's 100%. The most helpful piece of the community here is the willingness of the community to actually support the ecosystem. So, and the ecosystem is growing every day, right? We have more programs launching. We have more companies, uh, getting, getting off the ground, getting started. And so as a result, we also have new, new members of joining the community, both on, you know, on the entrepreneur side, yep. you know, and on the, um, on the investor relations and on the, uh, the strategic support side, as well as government support. Um, and I think, you know, you can get content anywhere, right? I can take an, I could have, I could, you know, be in France and be taking Le Tremplin Accelerator. And, you know, I had the, the realization the other day that, um, actually, I don't think there's a better community mm-hmm. than Calgary, yeah. uh, than the one in my own backyard. Because the thing about Calgary is that Calgary is an entrepreneurial city, right? We have this, this, undeniable spirit of the West that's always been here. And, um, and part of that is about supporting your neighbor and supporting your colleague and making sure that people can actually move forward. So the willingness to help and the openness of the community here is really what, um, any program that you take in this city is going to get you access to, and you can access it outside of a program, but the program gives you the content plus the face to face. Um, I can take programs online. I can watch YouTube videos all day long about, you know, how to build a cap table, but sitting down with somebody, sitting down with an advisor one-to-one and, you know, really helping me understand what I'm dealing with. Um, and also just the emotional support of being in a community is really, really important. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. 100%. I mean, there's, there's no other community like this. So if we take that and flip it, I guess, so what, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I look at this as an ecosystem. What would, is there anything you would have needed more of or differently? Well, the thing is, is that when I know what I need, I can access the network who can help me understand or deliver on that yeah. need. Like that SOS so, call you mentioned. Exactly, where you right? Yeah. So it's just, it's going to be a progression of whatever it is as a startup that you might need, whether it's, okay, I, I need to write a business plan or I need to figure out how to do business model canvas. So yeah. maybe at the beginning of your journey versus kind of this, uh, you know, start at commercialization where we are. It's, you know, every company is different. Every company is going to have their own trajectory and their, their own way of accomplishing things. But the advice that you can get from the community and, and knowing that you can tap it yeah. when you need to tap it is, is what matters because you actually don't know what you're going to need or what you're going to need to pull from that community until you're there. Yeah. Great. So <laughs> where, where's Fanorama is going to be in a year? Where are you, where, where are you going to be? Uh, in a year yeah. we'll be in 10 venues. Okay. Uh, 
So 10 sports are like 10 sports venues in North America Mm -hmm. and ideally five or six in the EU. Uh, so we're looking at massive growth plan right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's 15 venues, but it's massive to us. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we want to become part of, you know, an expected part of the event experience. So, you know, if you think about the progression of technology in venues, Mm uh, it's not, there's not a lot there, right? We have, we've had, uh, the manual scoreboard Mm -hmm. then we had, the Jumbotron, mm-hmm. and now you have Fanoramas. Yeah. Only we're not keeping score of the game or what's going on on the on the ice or the field. We're keeping score of the fan. Yeah. And they're really, it's the last component that um, has been neglected mm-hmm. in that, in the whole event going experience so far. Great. So if someone wants to know more about Fanoramas or get in contact with you, what's the best way to, uh, to do that? Uh, best way is to go to fanoramas.com. Okay. Uh, we've got a chat bot on there, so you can reach out that way. Uh, we always try to respond within a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go to info at fanoramas.com. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I've had a look. There's a lot of great information there about what you guys are doing. So, so Jamie, I did want to say thanks for taking the time today to uh, schedule or take part in our talk today. And uh, for all of those of you listening, thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already... Visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is sponsored by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story, and Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>